0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode three of Eat, Speak, Compete, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the esports and gaming world on a week-to-week basis. My name is Yeso, my co-host as always, Luke Shimoni-Hebrew, joining me again today, and we have a very special guest on this week's episode. He is a streamer and professional Apex Legends player for Cloud9. He is a silver medalist at the ALGS Championships from this past June we have Zach Maser joining us today. Zach, how we doing today, my man?
1: I'm doing good. It's early in the day for me, you know. Just woke up, knock out this interview, have breakfast, maybe stream a little bit and call it a day. Awesome. Hey, appreciate you uh, taking the time uh, to
0: join us here today. So excited to have you. I uh, just want to start uh, for you, if you could just kind of introduce yourself to our audience. You know, we're kind of, we cover a lot of different topics in the gaming and esports space. So some people may not know you. So uh, just kind of, what are you all about? Where do you come from, my man?
1: Um, I'm pretty new to esports and like the grand scheme of things. I've always like played video games, but never anything competitively. I was always more into like a, uh... Normal sports, not esports. sports And then like 2019, I kind of like picked up video games more as like a, I'm falling in love with this. I have to find a way to make it a job. That was in like 2019. And then I don't even know time flies so fast. How soon that was, I signed a FlyQuest, but FlyQuest was the first org I ever got signed to. So I kind of went from the bottom to like something pretty quick. It just had a lot to do with like work ethic and working hard and putting in the time. And now I just sit on the internet and speak my mind, talk shit and have fun with my friends.
2: Love Beautiful. it. That's the, that's pretty much the dream, right? So I mean, honestly though, only like two years or so, right? Assuming it's 2019 is your start. That's, that is a pretty quick rise to fame, if you will. So um, FlyQuest being your first team that you were on and, and what game was that for?
1: That was Apex, that was Apex. early Apex. on in Apex. That was, uh... We didn't get to go to X Games because we didn't get signed in time. We got signed, like, right before it, so there's no way we could have secured an invite or anything like that, but uh, I was around that time.
2: Solid. Okay. Well, you. I know you, t- you kind of quickly glanced over, but you said it was mostly because of, you know, your work ethic and just the grind that you've been putting in, and I even saw kind of earlier this month, um you kind of tweeting about some success you've had on your stream and how you've been obviously just grinding hours and you've been seeing the results as far as just viewership goes um so tell me a little bit about what that you know what that work ethic looked like you know what you really did over these last two years to you know take that you know love of video games if you will and really turn it into your career
1: well it it kind of started like um at the at the beginning and in like anything, it doesn't even have to be esports, you're always gonna be like absolutely fucking lost. But if you have passion, like you're gonna put in the time anyway, right? And so at first it was like me just putting in a ridiculous amount of time to like get better, and while that did work really well for me, it after I got to a certain point, it was like, How can I work smarter and not harder, right? I think I have one of the most hours in the game between all the pros. I think I over seven K got knows how close i am to AK. I i don't that i haven't checked that in grip but that being said it was around the fly quest time i started to like think like how can i work like smarter you know how do i actually like get better this is and that i like solo ranking to be like a really good way to get better better even though you're like you're actively losing brain cells and then um constantly playing with people that are better than you uh, a lot of people will be able to relate to this when i say like when you're playing ranked with people that you know are better than you at the game it can be a little like intimidating like you're, you feel like you're constantly every single second of the match playing a game of catch up, and you're doing your best to like do your part right and um that's that's super important because you'll grow faster playing with people better than you yada yada yada, you know because so spending a lot of time playing with like like on Zoom, Lou, how and whatnot when i was like the beginning beginning of me playing Apex, like really helped me see what some of these other players are doing, what I wasn't doing, and then grow and then future grow past them, obviously.
2: That makes sense. I mean, you obviously just you, you name drop a couple of the the biggest goats in the space, right? Yeah, you T S M Hal, you got Complexity Monsoon, etc., C L G Lou. I think I think he's still on C L G. Wait, no? Uh, he's Who on knows? He's on that. <laughs> Yeah. who knows what's going on. Yeah, who knows what's going on there. We'll, we'll, you kind of a dumpster. Yeah, we'll know. leave we we'll leave that one for a different different topic. But um, obviously, I, I totally agree. I think that's a that's a huge piece of it. So you know, around that fly quest time period, then obviously playing with the the greats and continue to try to improve yourself through that sense. But then also, you know, was it was it something that streaming specifically you feel like helped a lot in that sense? As far as the working smarter not harder piece, is it is it something where you kind of you know stopped trying as hard to just Be the best at the game on the game side and really try to focus on like your social media content and your live stream content start seeing kind of the fruitfulness on that end because obviously you know now representing cloud nine one of the biggest gaming orgs in the entire space it's you know obviously your digital presence has a huge component to that so do you think that that's really kind of like the main key factor
1: um it's definitely one of them I, i i'm still very young and very ignorant but at the time i was even more young and more ignorant so I was like, I just got signed to FlyQuest and I did not give a shit for streaming. And one of my teammates also didn't either. We actually like hated streaming. We like despised it. We thought it was super, we thought it was a waste of time. Like, why like I, I don't know. Back then it's hard to even like understand my mindset back then because now I stream two hundred and fifty hours a month and I love it, right? <laughs> right. But um it it was it was definitely strange. It had nothing to do with like a. Uh, any of that honestly it was like I, I don't know how to say this except for just being straight up honest and a lot of people just won't be as honest with me when i say this but when you're that young and that ignorant and you're getting that good at video games like really fast because keep in mind i was like dog shit months before that and i'm just rapidly catching up because i'm playing with these players. Right. much better than me and i'm learning very fast and paying attention right i like it's not that I started to chase the clout, but I started to see the clout in the distance. And, and, and any person who tells you that they never saw it or never, the clout had nothing to do with it ever is just fucking to you. That's just the truth it. I was finally starting to get good at the game. I had, like, 800 followers on Twitter. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't know why, but 800 followers. That's, like, <laughs> cool to me. I mean, I was like, I really wanted to hit, like, 1,500 followers. And then it was, like, it was, like, that chase for followers initially was like why I really wanted to start streaming and whatnot, because I really wanted to get verified on Twitter, right? Right. now, this is, I'm keep in mind, I'm 19 years old, still ignorant, but then I was a little bit more tunnel visioned by it. And that was originally why I like first started streaming. And then I realized like how cool that shit was. And these people literally just wake up, go about their day at work. You know, they'll throw you on the TV and whatnot, and they'll just throw your shit up, you know, drop a sub and chill. And, like, it's just a really cool environment that beneficial for everyone involved, pretty much. So, I don't know. It, I don't I know. It. That's kind of, like, the true story behind it, but I don't think a lot of people will be as honest as I was when it comes to that.
2: I love, that. I love that piece about the streaming component. So I guess now that you kind of uh, have changed from not wanting to stream at all to streaming so much, and uh, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about, you know, I guess your community. Like, how is your streaming community? Like, what does it mean to you? Obviously, you know, you mentioned people just dropping a sub and hanging out at work, just kind of watching you throughout the day. And I know that we do tons of that here. You know, we love throwing uh, your stream and all of the other streamers that you mentioned as well, just up on our big screens while we're out here, just grinding away and setting up for the streams and whatnot. So talk to me a little bit about your streaming community and how much that means to you. And, and how much, you know, obviously you you love shit talking and whatnot on the internet and all that kind of jazz with Twitter and things like that. But again, it's it's a lot of engagement with your community. So just talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Oh it's uh it's like I don't know, that's probably like the the best part and the worst part, right? Because it's like a, something that like I don't even think you'll think about, honestly even bringing up the question or the average viewer will think about is like how big of a double-edged sword it is like interacting with your community is the best part about it because there's so many people that care about you. There's so many dope people that support you financially in so many different ways, right? Totally. But it goes both ways because every single time you let out a tweet or every single time you go live, your statistics are being tracked and those numbers are money, right? Those numbers are money, whether it's a tweet, Instagram post, a story, anything it can even go as far as snapchat shit right so it's a really double-edged sword because i'm finally getting to that point where i'm now realizing that like it's not all about your community and sometimes you have to do you do have to pay attention to your numbers and those are very important as well right and it's this double-edged sword where it's like i want to stream league of legends i want to stream valorant i want to stream apex i play video games like 14 hours a day it's super unhealthy but it's just the way it is and like i i would have no problem streaming all 14 hours of it right but but then
2: your numbers if
1: i go stream league yeah. i'm going to get like 50 viewers if i go stream valorant i might get like 130 if i stream apex i get anywhere from like 200 minimum to like 2000 depending on who's live right so it's it's uh it's starting to get to that point for me where i'm starting to see like this is actually like dope but it is work and i do have to take it seriously and i do have to be mindful of the numbers and engagement is so sick because i do get to speak and get to know and interact with so many people that support me however i have been like cutting back on it because it's like i'm tweeting like three times a day four times a day five times a day people are less likely to interact with my stuff, right because right I'm here all the time yeah, Type do
2: that makes sense and then i seen- double
1: edged sword yeah.
2: no it, it definitely makes sense right because you know we hear it all the time people always talk about the the jump from uh hey i'm a apex Legends streamer to hey, I'm a variety streamer right it's such a difficult bridge to to gap or to error fine yeah because especially since you know your following is apex legends based right and you know a lot of the times people do only play maybe one or two games or are really involved in one or two communities at a time um so you know there's there's not ever too much crossover in that space and maybe Apex Legends and Warzone, right, might have a little bit more of crossover, but then you jump into League of Legends and it's just, like, whoosh, straight down, right? So, you know, but obviously still being able to pull, you know, 50 concurrent, have those dedicated viewers watching you as you play other game titles as well. Uh, I personally feel like, you know, becoming a variety streamer not only is one of the most difficult, but also one of the most fruitful things that you can do, right? All of the variety streamers from, you know, years on in, right? Like, you got the Summit 1Gs and things like that who, you know, are just such legends in the space. But, yeah, that is definitely a big... uh bridge to gap so one thing I wanted to ask you you talk sure. about that that double-edged sword Zach and
0: uh, you were talking recently it was about a month ago or so on Twitter but talking about uh, trying to make really a, a conscious attitude shift on your streams uh, you wanted to be more positive and nice and try to bring uh, a, you know a bit of a different attitude to uh, your streams was that double-edged sword kind of one of the motivators behind that or what really kind of was the driving force there
1: no, I had nothing to do with like um, impressions or be like. I, it, it's sure. just like I'm. I'm super competitive, and I don't get my competitiveness from video games or esports or any of that. I have my like. My build is from like playing hockey or MMA when I was younger, and my. Not to like start that whole argument, but I feel like that competitive drive is. Sometimes, especially in North America, a little bit more stronger than an eSports drive because uh, people don't necessarily understand how physical some of those other sports are and how much you actually have to sacrifice to actually get good at some of those sports, you know. So there's so much that goes into it. Same with eSports, right? I've done very good in both, so I get to have an opinion on both these. (laughs) However, it's like it's much easier to slack off in eSports or be lazy in eSports and still find success, right? That's just again my opinion right so that being said it's like I'm super competitive like it's it's so bad so I can't do anything unless I'm good at it and, and I win if I don't win and I'm not getting better it drives me fucking crazy like actually right and um I can get really negative sometimes when obviously I'm losing way yeah, when I'm trying right So that's kind of the driving force around, like, being more positive and whatnot, because I was dying to, whether it was, whether it didn't matter at the time, whether it was, like, my friends and other pro players and streamers, or if it was, like, your random, like, Platinum 4 trash can that was, like, (laughs) playing Revenant or whatever it was, right? If I just died and got, like, bullshitted, right, by, like, a 300 ping player or uh, a Rev Octane team who has, like, one KP and there's, like, four squads left, like, I would just go off. Like I, there was there was no limit, no boundary. I would just go off. It could be fifteen seconds. It could be two straight minutes, and then I was fine. But that fifteen seconds to two straight minutes was always really bad, mm-hmm. and it would play with my mood, right? And it was forcing me to stream like I don't know, like four to like eight hours because at a certain point, I'd finally just get tilted enough to just be like, right. And part of the reason people watch me is for that because that's just sure, crazy. but. <laughs> I think they'd rather watch me still have those moments, but also be more positive, so right now I'm still very capable of losing my shit definitely still do it at least once a stream <laughs> however, um, it's much easier for me to hit like the 10 hour mark or the 12 hour mark or the 8 hour mark every single day that I do go live because, you know, a little bit more positive environment with some good music in the background, some shit just being calm, when shit hits the fan you just say, ah, yeah, fuck it
2: Well, it's part of the growth, I feel like, right, of being a a pro player in the space and and really kind of rising to fame, if you will, um, and really hitting the achievement marks and the, you know, placing within the large-scale tournaments. It takes a lot of mental fortitude in that sense, um, and it has to come from somewhere. You know, I don't don't think a lot of pro players with, you know, the competitive drive and the passion of yourself um, are able to just... You know, be like, oh, no, it's all right. We, we lost that one, right? Like, it happens, right? You got, like, the It's Timmy's of the world that are just, like, so obnoxiously positive all the time. And you're just <laughs> sitting there watching, you're like, how, bro? Like, I would have lost it, like, 12 games ago. I would have been turned it off. I'm playing a whole different game, whatever it might be. But um, I think that that kind of, you know, growth, right, you were talking about, you know, you've only been in the space for two years. And it seems like you've grown a lot already. And obviously your results shine through to, you know keep it going so i think that's a i think that's a feat in itself and i think that continuing to um work on that positive mindset and attitude will just continue to bring you better results
1: yeah if i can keep it up shit
2: we believe (laughs) I got my fingers crossed. I yeah. think
0: you got this. Uh, let's, turn, yeah, same, let's turn more towards uh, the competitive side. Uh, obviously, you've been now competing with C9 here uh, under that banner for a couple of months. Uh, and you brought on, you mentioned him a little while earlier, uh, Albert Laley joining the squad with you and uh, Naughty. Um, how has that entire process of bringing on this new third band, just kind of incorporating him into the roster and shifting kind of how you guys play?
1: Um, it's, uh, it's been, like, so far so good because, um, we are obligated to do certain things. And from the outside in, it looks really bad, and I just don't care. The outside in, it looks really bad, but there's certain obligations that I knew I'd have to go through when I pop with C9 and we all figured all this out. And one of those things would be like different team comps and uh, different like people on different characters and who's IGLing, who's doing this, who's doing that type deal. Alba is a very um, vocal player and so am I. Uh, On Team Liquid, uh, one of their biggest problems they've talked about publicly, arguably their biggest problem was that nocturnal really liked igl but alb really liked igl and they would go back and forth and one day Al would better the next day knock would better but neither of them ever felt like one was like significantly better than the other enough that like they could commit to one or the other you're going back and forth really bad so um alb alb feels like he never got a true opportunity to igl on tl and then obviously when he was on tsm they did fucking saying and how was the best IGL in the game at the time and it, and it wasn't close at that time um, so he obviously never got to really IGL on the TSM monster either and he feels like he's a pretty confident IGL and he feels like he can do it really well so I knew that bringing him on to C9 he would want to uh, get that opportunity we uh, tried a good period of time with me IGLing and there was definitely some obvious growth uh, towards the end we started placing a lot better I think we were like uh, off rip, we were averaging like 13th through like seventh placements. And then towards the end of me, I jailing with uh, our team comp, um, we're getting like fifth, fourth, thirds. And then uh, this past week, we started Alba jailing because he feels semi like confident in all of it. So we did uh, pretty bad this past week, but obviously you can't expect like good placements when it's like his first time or anything. I don't really have a problem giving it more time and like throwing. People would consider throwing away more time so that Alba feels comfortable and saying that like he got an opportunity to do it, or we could see him grow into like crazy good IGL. Either or, I don't, I don't really have a problem with any of it. But a lot of people from the outside in don't really see like how much actually goes into um, a roster swap of like this magnitude. I guess dropping knocked is a big deal because he's a really good player, and Alba lately is a really good player, and they both do very different things. So. It's definitely not something where, like, overnight, we're just the best team in the game. And that's how it was for NRG as well. Just a perfect real-world example. NRG is one of the best teams in NA, probably in the world, because their play style at LAN should be really good. And, I mean, for the first four months of that exact roster, I don't think they had a single good placement. I can't think of a single top five in the first four months of them playing together. And they figured out, and they're one of the most dominant teams right now. So, definitely a lot of growing to do, and I'm excited.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Honestly, and I I, I completely agree with you. And it seems really like uh, the perfect time, right? You're coming off of a good placing at the ALJS Championships in June. Uh, it, it, you know, that's the time, if any, just after a big tournament like that, to make the changes. You've got plenty of time uh, to work up to your guys's. You know. Starting to kind of peak. You've got uh, the LGS, you know, new format, new season coming up, uh, and I do want to break that down uh, just a little bit for the people at home before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the new system. Um, but. The way it's going to work this year is we're going to have uh, the ALGS Pro League uh, for all of the different regions. We will have uh, invited squads. You guys obviously are one of them that will come in. There are two splits of the ALGS Pro League, which will go into uh, then playoffs. And then all of that will eventually then feed into the international algs championships next july uh as i mentioned you guys are going to be in the first split of pro league obviously there are also going to be teams playing up through uh qualifiers when you look at the format as a whole for the season compared to what you have competed in prior uh are you are you excited about it what what are your kind of thoughts on this new format for algs
1: um i think it's a really 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 good change but Obviously, until anything's proven, it's obviously going to have its worries. So, um, pro leagues before they ever start are always scary because pro leagues are, what's the word? I guess isolated. So with that being said, Mm -hmm. if something's isolated and whatever is isolated is a meme, then it's really bad. Mm -hmm. So I'm very excited. I think this is a step in the right direction. I think this is what we needed to do. I, I, everything is perfect in my head except for the fact that NA Apex Legends work ethic is like so sad and bad and some of the players and quality is so sad and so bad and they don't even make like an active effort to actually get better either which is just even more sad and bad so with that being said, something like a pro league where they actually invited 20 teams, right? and there's probably only like 6 or 7 teams who probably deserve that invite who actually try their hardest and are really trying their best to get better there's um, there's definitely a spooky scenario here where we get into an isolated Pro League. Some of these invited teams just, like, don't give a fuck. You know, they just kind of throw it away, and they just, like, treat it very lackluster. I think for the Pro League, this might be a bad idea, but I think for the original Pro League, I think it would have been better for everyone to have to qualify, and there'd be zero invites, so that people take it seriously. They feel like they've earned it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's definitely some teams in there that... Don't have the most consistent placements, and there's definitely some teams left out that will probably have more consistent placements. And uh, definitely, definitely nervous about that part. That's just my only worry. But um, yeah, I think I had give it like an overall, I'd say like 99% chance it goes well. But there's a, obviously that.
2: Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to keep t- uh, touching on that piece specifically a little bit because, you know, it, it reminds me obviously the new structure of the ALGS reminds me a lot of Series E in the sense where, you know, we have that pro league component where the teams are basically invited and they play every week, but there's also the open component, right, where like technically any open teams are able to really kind of qualify themselves in. And when we first started Series E, um, you know, almost like a year ago now, it was one of the situations where there was only like eight, professional north american a- um, apex teams right there wasn't a lot there was really only eight of them and then we even had to bring in eu teams to fill those slots because there wasn't very many fully signed apex legends teams back then um and then of course we had our, our own partner teams that we ended up picking up and as series these continued to develop and algs etc and apex legends in general we've had tons of new teams coming into the space and it, and it has kind of come to that scenario where now it's like we need more slots, right? Like, it's almost like we do need some kind of qualification process for those pros because there's so many pro teams now or pro orgs now that are coming into the space and trying to, you know, get a piece of the pie, if you will, um, that it is kind of interesting to see kind of who they chose to invite and who they didn't choose to invite because there's a lot of politics in that space, right? Where it's like, you want to invite the best players or the players that have the best uh, ratings, but then there's also like, Okay, you know, maybe we don't want to bring anyone that's too controversial on. Maybe we we need to make sure we get the big orgs for the impressions and the viewership, etc., right? So there's a lot of, like, politics, it feels like, in the sense. A lot of politics. Yeah, a lot of politics in the sense. But at the same time, with the system having qualifiers and relegation, you know, there could be a lot of turnover. You know, we could see a lot of these pro teams that got invited really only be in the league for a couple of months and then end up getting relegated directly out. Um so you know, I, I think it's I think it'll be interesting. I think you're right, you know, we gotta obviously wait and see, see how it pans out to start. Um, but I'd say just based on Esports Arena's experience of like starting Series E and really just inviting those pro teams on, um, it, it seemed, it feels like it kind of makes sense. It feels like, you know, there, there's a lot of potential for it to really go well. Um, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely excited to kind of just see how those open nights turn out, how the, you know, the amateur play looks, how the qualification process goes and really see what that relegation process is going to look like, because that's when the things are really going to start hitting the fan, if you will.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I actually see it the other way around and ironically, um. You have a better view on your system than I do, obviously, because it's your system. But <laughs> I feel like a sailor around. I, I really do feel like the open night, while the quality may be way worse and the players might be way worse, it's the those players are actively trying to get better. And while it may be very lackluster to what, like, LGS is and whatnot, it seems like those players are trying to get better, you know? Or, like, you'll go watch the pro night and uh, a lot of teams are just throwing it away. A lot of teams don't care, and, including my team sometimes, right? It's just the truth. But uh, that's kind of how I view, it. and that's that's where the worry comes from, right? Yeah. Like you have the pro night, you have the open night, and it's very obvious in majority of the open nights that those kids that are actual randoms, like you see their name, you're like, what? I like <laughs> they're they're applying themselves, you know, they're putting in the effort, and they're trying to get better, you know, and that's
2: awesome. I love that you to say that because literally a lot of the
1: teams are invited, then they still don't give a shit, and <laughs> that's where the worry comes for the pro league, right? Um, but the relegation in the pro league, I don't. I haven't read too deep into the Pro League, uh, I forgot about that part. That's huge. That is massive. Um, something else is the format I think you brought up. I think it's like Round Robin, something like that. I actually think while that may be a little bit less competitive, I actually like it more, um, which is not normally in my opinion. I normally just like it as competitive as possible. but. I really like the idea of doing the round robin format. I think it's the best way for the viewers and the players because we get a lot of games in, a lot of practice, a lot of play time. There is so much for uh, any coaches, teams that have coaches to like take out of that and apply to like playoffs. There's just so much you can get out of it. I really like that. So like I said, if I had to give it like a steam review, it'd be like 99% up, 1% down and that 1% that 1% could be fucking catastrophic. Oh, that's, that's
2: a fact, yeah. <clears throat> but... We'll see. I, I, uh, I'll touch on one last piece before I, before I stop harping on the piece. Cause I'm always, every, every episode we do this, I'm always complaining about North American practice. <laughs> like I, it's like my number one thing I always complain about in our whole region across the board. Mostly it's in League of Legends, what I'm usually complaining about, but it obviously applies really across the board where I feel like a lot of other regions just have a much better practice regimen than us. And because of that you know, we you know, I always feel like North America's is a little bit behind on a lot of like the meta plays or whatever it might be. Um, so I, that's one of the main reasons why Series E exists in general, is because we try to create a, a a practice environment, if you will, for teams like you mentioned that are trying to get better, right? Trying to improve because it's hard to even get that type of experience because you know you can only play solo uh, solo ladder and lose those brain cells for so long as you <laughs> as you were talking about earlier, right? So um, I definitely hear what you're saying in that sense. I, I agree that I would also give it a pretty high Steam rating, and I'm excited overall to see how uh, it all pans out
1: yeah uh it definitely is pretty frustrating to like look at games like League of legends uh no disrespect to my own or any or of but, course uh like how far behind na is from other reasons. i mean it i mean 99 percent of the time it's uh literally comical for the orcs themselves as well they um it's gone to the point over the past two years, I think, where social media managers and whatnot are more starting to embrace the idea of them doing bad versus them doing good for media value because that will get more eyes than hmm. the idea of them doing good because it's so uh, far fetched, right? And I that's agree more. League of Legends. I'm not I'm not too sure about some other games, but um it seems to be like that is a normal pattern for other games as well. I think NA typically in esports gets off to a really strong start at the beginning and then they fall off later on maybe it's because of work ethic who knows what it is I think at Apex right now due to lack of lands it's hard to say what it is what it isn't but I think um, uh, NA Apex is definitely very top heavy everyone will agree with that especially when it comes to work ethic some of the top teams in NA will outwork any team in the whole world without a doubt My mind. they will they can turn their brain off and just do whatever they have to do about it and uh that being said it's pretty um sad to see that we don't have a good way to practice because there's some of us that actually do want the best in the world and there's some of us who just want to make it in esports because they're very different things with uh very different bars you know so
0: Uh, Awesome. So Zach, we we talked a little bit earlier, you were talking about the shift of uh, Albert Lilly kind of taking over uh, as IGL right now, and you're kind of working through uh, the growing pains of that. Uh, I'd say it's Probably safe to assume one of your uh, goals as a team uh, this year uh, is to win the ALGS championship. Obviously, you were so close in June, taking second place. Um, But I want to look more short-term here, uh, especially when you talk about shifting kind of the style of the team and bringing Alb in and having him IGL. What are some smaller uh, goals that you have for yourself and your team uh, as we kind of come up to the first split of the ALGS Pro League?
1: Um, oh, this is gonna suck to say it publicly because it's gonna hurt a lot of competitive fans' brains, okay? But, um, uh, kind of just figure the team out. It kind of felt like we were uh catching ground, right? We were Mm -hmm. growing when some went from like those 13th to 7th place averages to like the 5th, 4th, 3rd, uh, and we had that like consistently for one week. And then Al came to us and was like, Yo. I really want to do this and I'm totally down to give him that opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. But now we're working through the growing pains of this as well. And we're not even certain if we're going to hundred percent stick with it as well. Right. So, uh, definitely short term girls is just figure out what the fuck we're going to do. Right. Which I mean, obviously is inevitable, right. It's not like something I'm reaching for. It just happens with time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the next goal is, uh, I, I want to have a top five placement in OT two. All right now, OT one. I'm not saying that we're throwing it away. Obviously, we're gonna try our hardest, but I'm also gonna not set super high expectations for my team. When one, we're not getting any practice because an apex sucks, and and two, because we haven't even figured it out on our own yet. Right. So, the first step is then figuring it out. The second step is then like filing out all your small mistakes and silly stuff that everyone messes up but it'll cost you 15 points in the game right? Sure. And, and, and it's no big deal because you just go oh, fuck I fucked up man I can't believe I did this game I hate my life your teammates don't hate you or anything no big deal but it does cost you points right? and uh, you have to just go through that to experience it to grow and we haven't really gotten the privilege to do that too much because there's not much practice so like you said earlier while it is the perfect time to do the switch it's also not because it's off-season, there's literally nothing fucking going on, so it's really hard to practice and bro, There's really, like, kind of, like, no way. It's a lot more of um, theory crafting and predicting and then just, like, running with it and hoping it falls into what you're predicting. Be. Because there's no practice, which is really shitty, but it's the way it is. And is. Uh, yeah, so short-term goals would be... I want to... Obviously, obviously, top 10. Even on our bad days, top 10 should be easy. Okay, mm-hmm. let's just honest with ourselves top 10 should be easy even on our bad days but um uh, i'm not gonna like set the hopes really high for us getting like a third second first place um in the first ot when we're i think like a month out or two months out and i mean shit bro we're like on week one of albi jailing and trying to figure that out right so we are definitely um in our infancy when it comes to figuring out the the hard parts i guess But once the hard parts are figured out, then it's smooth sailing. Uh, Me, Naughty, and Alb have all been a part of multiple different rosters that have all, like, been successful. So, once we figure it out, getting to the point where we're good uh, probably should be the easiest part, to be honest. Short term goal is to just figure my shit out. Get a top five in OT2, and then take that momentum through the rest of the season. Be really good in the first playoffs. If we can get a top three in the first playoffs... I think um, it should be a really good time to be a C9 fan.
0: Solid. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. And, I mean, when you're bringing on, you you talked a a little bit about it uh, with Alv earlier. He has an incredible wealth of experience with top teams. I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to be able to bring on a player with a, as much experience as he does on so many different, extremely talented rosters. He, he's played with some of the best of the best in the scene over the last couple of years. So that's got to be uh, really comforting to know that you're bringing in somebody like that who this is not uh, somebody, you know, this is not a fresh talent. This is not like a big up-and-coming player from, from just, you know, solo queue or whatever. This is a dude who is – Proven himself time and time again, and brings in so much experience to your guys' roster, right?
1: Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. But obviously, like the roster had a really good player before Alba as well, sure. with proven success and growth. So obviously, we'd never make a trade like this unless um, it was this exact situation, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's never a discount. Uh, we right? got exactly what we were asking. Yeah, yeah, it's um, we got exactly kind of like what we were. For, uh, uh what we predicted, I guess. Um, I was, I, all of those things. Um, just, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. He has so much experience and so much this and that, that that even he has to figure out what he wants to do because, I mean, he has all that. I mean, he really is that good. So a blessing and a curse for him.
0: Uh, before we get into kind of talking about just the general news and what's kind of been going on over the last uh, – a uh, few weeks uh, in the eSports scene, just kind of in general. A um, last thing, very Apex-specific, is, you know, there's been tons of talk, tons of news over the last few weeks as some of the biggest themes in streaming have been getting into Apex. Obviously, Warzone has been so big for the last couple of years, Um, But Apex really seems to be peaking right now, and we've seen Courage, Tim the Tap Man, Nick Mergs, Doc, all coming over uh, to Apex Legends recently. They've all been very successful, and it seems like uh, Apex has really uh, grown so greatly in the streaming space because of that. There's so many new players coming to the title. Uh, What excites you the most about seeing all of these big names coming uh, to Apex Legends?
1: Well, the the big streamers kind of come and go with the not necessarily with the views, but what with they're having fun with and they get views with type deal. Mm-hmm. And COD is a really safe bet every single time a COD comes out because I mean, look how big that console. For that <laughs> game. It's it's fucking disgusting, right? So sure. being one of the best or a, a bigger creator already, and then going to one of those games when they first come out is just smart on behalf of yourself and your your livelihood right but seeing them come over to apex was a kind of surprise i think for everyone i definitely didn't expect it the game was obviously growing on twitch i I don't know i couldn't give you a timeline but it doesn't feel like that long ago i would open the apex category and it would have like 19 to like 25k on twitch and that was like normal Mm -hmm. and then when like how got on, it would go to like 30 to like 45, and but then when he got off, it'd be back down to like 25, 19k, right? That was just, that was it. That was Apex, and and now with or without Nick Mercer or any of these big streamers live, some days we're hitting 100k, so the crazy, the, the, the growth the game has, and I think what excites me the most is um, um, the batch, I guess, of creators we got. There's a lot of really awesome creators out there, but um, the recent influx of big creators has all been competitive creators. Mm-hmm. Um, no disrespect to the other ones or anything, but these are the players that like um, have huge competitive crews behind them. Typically, like what grew their name and their personalities really reflect that. And Apex is a really competitive and addicting game where it's super easy to fall in love with the competitive aspect of it. And you're seeing people like Networks, Defu, um, their squads—you know—they have their squads. So many people that are playing right now. Fall in love with the competitive aspect of the game and how different it is, you know. And that, I think that's what excites excites me the most is that they're playing the game and being like, "Wait a minute, this isn't just brain dead run and gun and shoot." There's so much <laughs> that goes into this. This is pretty fucking cool, and that is doing way more for the game than them just streaming. It, you know, them playing the game and being like, "Wait a minute, this is pretty dope," type deal. And it's uh, it's reassuring for me as well. I mean. Playing Apex when there's only 19,000 people on Twitch willing to watch the game and the prize pools are bad, is uh, it's hard as a pro to convince yourself to stay on the title when I can switch to something like Valorant and then give my best effort at going pro in that where I can guarantee easily twice the money if I went like tier one pro. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely reassuring after all this time to see the game start growing, see the pro league and... That's what excites me the most is to see the competitive personalities, like actually enjoying the competitive aspect of it. Love that answer.
2: Solid.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Let's get into kind of what's going on uh, over the last week here, and we'll start in League of Legends. Uh, Your brothers on the C9 League side competed this weekend. They played in the Losers Bracket Finals against 100 Thieves and sadly uh, fell. They dropped 3-1 to 100 Thieves, but the great thing is, is thanks to... uh, what was a crazy best of five uh, a week ago against TSM C9 will still be representing North America at the world championships, uh, in October, which is incredible. And I know you have been following that. I know courage, obviously his hundred thieves boys, uh, playing really well and winning the championship. He's been following that. What has it been like getting to, uh, to see your, you know, your brothers in C9, uh, succeeding so much in this summer?
1: Um, I feel like that's pretty poor wording because I'm pretty sure C9 did pretty dog shit compared to their last split. I'm pretty sure C9 went like well, 35 <laughs> and 2, or something like that. I, they finished I'm sure strong. C9 went like 35 and two, they finished strong. They looked good in playoffs. It <laughs> was a little. I don't, I don't know it as well as you might or a lot of fair enough. Fair enough. They definitely follow it more than me, but I'm very confident that this roster on paper paper, my team should probably be one of the best in the game as well, so Mm. I I totally understand it. But on paper, they should be very, very good and very, very consistent, I guess is the word that I would look for. If I saw those names on a roster and just saw it on paper, I would expect that team to be very, very consistent. And I think from the outside in and from a platinum League of Legends player's point of view, it's competitive (laughs) in another game. Seems like one of their problems is consistency, all of their um, players, whether it's Uh, Fudge or Sven or whoever it may be, right, Um, playing at their highest level system, which is, I guess, in theory, all you can ask for from a pro player, but at the same time, that's super demanding of a pro player to be at their best possible. um, It sucked to see them lose to 100 Thieves, but it also was, like, bittersweet because I've been following League of Legends since like 2012, literally internationally. Mm -hmm. Like, I watched... I watched T1 versus Dan 1. I watched LCK. I watch LPL. I watch it all. I just think it's my favorite esport to watch. It's so cool. Mainly because of the rivalry and yeah. uh, the skill level. But uh, it was pretty cool to see Someday win something. You know, I mean, He's been around. He's been a pretty respected name for a minute. And fucking cool dude. Nice personality. I'm glad he bought the dub if it wasn't you know, C9. I don't want to harp too much on like C9 or anything or their split. Because you know, they are going to world And they... Of any of the rosters going to Worlds, probably in my opinion, have the best chance at succeeding at Worlds because of their Worlds experience compared to other mm-hmm. rosters. Right, bringing in Perks while he may not be playing like Twitch chat expects him to, or whatever the fuck <laughs> people publicly want to say. I don't know, but um, there's a lot of veteran experience at Worlds in that roster, and that could do a lot more than just uh, oh, we did better than them LCS type deal. So I have really high hopes for them at Worlds which I probably shouldn't, and I would be sad about NA once again. But we're going in positive, and that's what fucking matters.
2: I'm all, I'm all about that energy for sure. You know, I, I feel the same way. I'm obviously always in there rooting for – Um, the North American teams to to just try to take some sets. Let's do the best that we can. We're on the hopium right now, big time. (laughs) Always, always. But, you know, you touched on it a little bit. I was going to ask, obviously, you're a big League of Legends guy just in general. You've been following it for a really long time. Um, And, of course, you want to root for your Cloud9 boys because, of course, you love the org, and and they did make it to Worlds, which is, you know, a feat in itself. Uh, But I was going to see, was there a a roster or a specific org that you've been following since 2012 that you've always kind of been a, a fan of, or is it really specific players that you've kind of been following? Following. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on that.
1: Well, I'm got to remember since 2012 to now, I'm still very young. So I was even younger back then. When you're that young, you kind of follow personalities more than um, teams because, or like Spoon, Shiny, that deal, it's like Pearson or whatnot, you know? Mm-hmm. So um mainly like followed players up until probably like 2018, 2019. That's when I started realizing. Like uh, the other regions and watching the other regions as well and seeing the talent over there. Uh, followed, oh god, all the way from back in the day watching like the. I don't even remember like when I will dominate played on like, Curse.
0: Yeah, yeah. OG. Oh, I mean,
1: just watching them from all the way yeah back in the day watching those tournaments to. Uh, then when Bjergsen came around, that was like the new hot shit, watched that for a couple splits, was really hooked on uh, the Bjergsen double lift, all that, and then, uh, Sneaky, of course, for Legendary, and then, time goes on, not that they fell off, but other people started to do better, other regions were just becoming more dominant, I really fell in love with, uh, G2 and their personality, um, it kinda reminds me of myself way that they're like kind of dick bags yeah. but it's funny <laughs> and it, it, it's all banter at the end of the day you Yeah, know? it really reminds me of myself so i kind of fell in love with that i i really do follow the the g2 uh team i followed Fnatic a lot when i was younger because of XPK um and now you know the previous series this past weekend i don't know if you guys followed but g2 versus Fnatic with a crazy series and Hell yeah Fnatic ended up winning which was crazy to think that G2 has, ever since G2 got into EU League of Legends, I think, or LEC, rather, they've gone to Worlds. Five years in a row. This is the first year, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the first year they're not only not going to Worlds, but they didn't even place top three. Yeah. That's just mind-blowing to so many people, so...
0: Yeah, and incredible like to look to at. As well. it, it, it's such a you know, and it's still an incredibly talented roster. You still got Caps, who's widely considered to be the be- the best Western player of all time, uh, and, and Yanko. Uh, so it's obviously you know behind Perks, of course, of course, but you know C nine still of course. yes, oh, cool, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. It's incredible well, to see a historic org like that knock going to world
1: yeah I, I mean who there's a list of things that could be right i hate talking on uh pro problems in other games because i understand how in-depth they can be for myself in my game so, sure uh speaking on another game's pro problems as a pro is kind of ignorant because i have the understanding that it's probably way more in depth than the bci mm-hmm.
0: yeah
1: but uh, there's i don't know it's definitely from the outside in from like a casual point of view it's definitely this crazy dilemma where you have one of the top teams in the world um and one of the top rosters in the world, arguably on paper, uh, not even getting top three in the region, let alone falling for worlds, it's like, do you just run it back and hope that it was just a fluke because of their um, history and experience and whatnot? Or do you see that as like a, yo, there's problems here, and we need to make changes. And obviously, we have no fucking clue. Mm -hmm. All their problems or all their um, instances that went wrong, I guess this season, were probably a lot more in-depth than... But we know, and I'm sure the org and people involved over there, Carlos, have way more ideas than us. And they'll figure it out and hopefully return stronger next year because me being a GT League of Legends fan, I would hate to see them suck again. Because being as good as they were, um, placing fourth is definitely sucking in their eyes probably.
2: Yeah, it's definitely difficult, right, to touch on those different components. I especially feel like in the esports space in general, you have – so much meta shifting and whether or not it's on like the game developer side where there's a new patch or an update or whatever it is or even just you know the players themselves the meta shifts internally within the game which you know causes certain people to have to switch off characters whatever it might be there's so much there that can really mess with a team synergy, right? If, if you're not able to play a specific character or whatever it might be, you could just oh, yeah. really throw you for a turn, even if it's in the middle of a split or whatever it might be. I know they do their best to mitigate that, but regardless, like there's still, there's so many factors. So I totally agree that, you know, we can we can speculate and, and do what we can, but at the end of the day, these guys are the best of the best, and they lost to more best of the best players. Um, so, you know, it's just, there's so many factors there. But yeah, definitely one of those things where... Um, we hope to see G2 bounce back next year and, and bring the heat.
0: And I think that's the point I would game. make
2: is that, you know, G2 finishing fourth with the talented names that
0: they have on there is just a credit to the rest of EU. It just shows how strong that region is and they're going to send three yeah. incredible teams to Worlds and G2, you know, wasn't good enough this year, but I would be surprised if they weren't next year. So, uh,
1: obviously. Yeah, yeah, same.
2: Huh? You just said same. Oh, well, same. Same
1: goes for C9, bro. Sure. Like, fuck, man. Dude, they definitely... I mean, watching those 100 Thieves games was a little bit painful from the outside in. Keep in mind, I'm a Platinum player. I'm God fucking awful. <laughs> but... And I have no understanding of the game. Sure. But I love the game. right? And I love watching it. But it's so painful to see people you want to support like not play to their full potential. And that's so much to ask for. I mean, it is completely ignorant. Like, be like, yo, play your best. Constantly. <laughs> but... Fuck, man. You know, you always want to see your boys take it home. So I'm really hopeful next year that if they don't well, – Excuse me. When they win Worlds this year – Sure. You know, they'll follow that into LCS next year, you know. Exactly.
0: LCS, you know. Lots of lots
1: of hope what here.
0: What could go wrong?
1: I love it, though. I
0: mean, <laughs> I I will say – Last point, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on to some different news and stuff. Last point I will say is I, I do completely agree with you on the point of C9 brings – a roster with probably the most uh, international pedigree. Right, Perks has won an international title. He won an MSI. He's been to a world's final. Zven has a wealth of experience in international play, and even their young guns are are uh, you know incredible players who I think have yet to completely show what they can do uh, at the international level. So I think. If anybody is looking at C9 and saying this is the team of NA that has the best hope of Worlds, I don't think they're crazy. So I think C9 has a great shot. It's going to be a tough test. They're going to have to go through play-ins, I believe, so they have some extra games to play. But C9 has shown in the past that the extra games uh, are largely to their benefit. So uh, excited for Worlds coming up. That is uh, awesome news. Let's talk a little bit about Overwatch. Obviously, uh, Blizzard has been in plenty of hot water uh, left and right over... Uh, the last four to six weeks and uh, we actually talked about it on a previous episode of the podcast the discussion around the community wanting them to rename the character McCree and Blizzard has officially come out and said that they will in fact rename McCree Uh, for those of you that don't know uh, McCree was named after an employee who was recently fired who was or who is currently named in the uh lawsuit from the california department of labor uh so it's been kind of crazy and everybody's been uh wanting a lot of different things but uh we talked about it at length a couple of weeks ago and uh uh zach what is kind of your initial reaction to seeing something like this happen or do you play
1: overwatch against yeah the do you play overwatch, overwatch? <laughs> I, i've played it before but like from again there's so many legalities that go into all of this and so much internal shit that we could never understand. But at the sure. same time, it's like, well, fucker it, you got serious problems. Yeah. You aren't talking fucking perks sandbagging, right? <laughs> We're talking serious fucking problems, right? Yeah. So with that being said, it's like name changing McCree isn't necessarily what people are looking for. It's like good for you, right? And the last fifteen minutes of this podcast has been straight fucking hopium. And that fucking McCree name change was straight fucking Hopium bro. <laughs> We're <laughs> just keeping it rolling. For, people are looking for like serious, serious change. People want to see a difference, you know, mm-hmm. really want to see, uh, uh, changes for, I don't really, uh, I don't really pay attention to it too much outside of what just runs into my timeline. I'm not going out of my way to look it up. Right. It's on me, but I mean, from what I've seen, from what I've heard, I mean, it's just absolutely fucking disgusting. It's, um, disgraceful, the video games, if you're a Riot or, um, Respawn or any other company that's operating correctly, I mean, you, you should be ashamed those are, like, your brothers or sisters, whatever you want to call them, uh, having another staple esport in the scene, it should be, it, it should be shameful to be, like, Riot or Respawn right now, knowing that Blizzard operates right like that, and it's uh, man, it's definitely, um, it's like esports, was just like, skyrocketing um ability to be like um what's the word
2: One of the largest category um, more
1: mainstream mainstream yeah. mainstream, mainstream. Sure. Mm-hmm. yeah Become like more mainstream and then just seeing shit like that it's just like it's like so many steps backward it's like jesus christ it's like where the fuck did you guys go wrong that shit was so backwards upside down sad
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so in my head not knowing the entirety of everything and Knowing the current things they're doing to do better, I don't know any of it. Um so in my head it's more like a fuck Blizzard scenario. I mean, pretty sure Blizzard runs Warzone as well, and Warzone fuck it sucks. They can't get a grip on it for their content creators, they can't get a grip on it for the cheaters, they can barely get a grip on it for uh it seems to be like the CDL. I'm pretty sure there's problems over there too. I mean, it really just seems like a really sad area where Blizzard does nothing fucking right. Um and I mean, yeah, it's really straightforward. i kind of just like Black Blizzard. Hopefully, they do better. And if they don't, um, it's more important for all of us to be capable of completely leaving them in the past, so that we don't represent that as a as a culture of video games going into the future and bringing our video game culture to uh, normal sports and the normal business world culture. you
2: know? Yeah, yeah, I like that point. I think I, I think we agree for the most part. You know, we we've talked about you know the Blizzard situation at, in a couple different. Uh, variations if you will and, and really the main factor I think you hit the the head on the or the nail on the head there is is just it's the cultural implications of like you know the parents and the new generations growing up into you know like myself I came from the Blizzard universe of like hearthstone and World of Warcraft and Starcraft 2 and those are like my original eSports titles that I really got into. Um, so to kind of see it kind of doubling back and and seeing all the 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 dirty laundry if you will come out um, is definitely a a disappointment across the board and um, I do I do think that there's definitely some some much larger um, work to be done outside of changing the the McCree name itself so uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely have to continue to to bring it up on our our future podcast and stay on top of it and see just kind of as the story continues to develop but I, uh, I think you said yeah. it in it some choice words.
1: You definitely can't like downplay it either, too. Like yeah. that shit is just so bad. Right? Yeah. Like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> get <it>, a <laughs> crap. It, 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 Pull
2: it together.
1: Like, it, it, dude. It is. It is so easy to like, like, make a joke because I've made a couple jokes about it already. Of and course. Time out or like laugh it off, or and just us to be like nonchalant about it mm-hmm. because you know, like, we're not directly tied in. We have nothing to do with it, so. For us, it's easy to be like, yeah, that sucks, that's shit, and then like make a joke, crack a joke, understand it sucks, as shit, and then fun, right? But nah, for so many other people, it hits way deeper. And then on top of that, it's like, um, well, I can't relate to you because I don't fucking play those games, thank God, shit mm-hmm. company. Hey,
2: don't worry, uh, you do <laughs> I couldn't
1: imagine, I couldn't imagine like playing WoW or Hearthstone or StarCraft, gro- growing up on all that, and like, all those dev names are probably like very apparent to you guys because the company was much smaller at the time and then seeing all this like that has to be like a a, a blow to the gut like you like you like i it's gotta hurt to know that you put that time into all those titles giving those people money right
2: I mean, again, I've, I've also been in the space for a good chunk of years now, and I've worked with a lot of those names on various events and all those kind of things, too. So, yeah, I, you are very correct where it does feel like a blow to the gut in that sense where it's like a lot of my esports roots, if you will, kind of stem from that space. So it, it definitely stings a little bit. And Mike Morheim, who is the, the CEO or the original CEO of, of Blizzard Entertainment, I've uh, released a statement a while back just, you know, it was basically just like a a public like apology just in general that, you know, he was involved at all in a fostering of a company that ended up taking a turn into this type of culture. And it's just, it's not a a great thing to look in at, but again, I, I really do hope for the sake of, you know, their gaming communities that they're able to make the right steps to at least resolve the culture internally so that they are able to continue, you know, producing these titles that have such a strong legacy and such a strong following.
1: Yeah, I mean, to just completely discredit them because fuck them. It's like, I, I wonder if those games have the legacy they have because they were so early on in video games or if they are really that amazing, you know? And while I've never played them, I can't really give my opinion on it. It's uh, Part of me is starting to think with the, the recent games they've put out in the recent way that they've taken care of them. Part of me wants to lean the other way, be even more negative because it's like, really, like, like a war zone. Like at Overwatch, like the way that they take care of some of these games, I and mean, it's uh, it's pretty fucking embarrassing.
0: Trust me, we hear uh, you. So yeah, we hear yeah. you. I couldn't agree more. Uh,
1: I'm all I'm all for not second chances, but like 17th chances when like it, when all is said <laughs> and done, if they can figure their shit out and it's good, then then like good for you. But like until everything is hammered out and everything is fucking perfect in their world and they have it all figured out, man, fuck them. That shit is sad, gross, depressing. If you work at that company, you didn't know about it, you work at that company and you didn't know about it. You should just feel disgusting. I'm sure you do. It's painful to know that you're in an environment like that, whether you know about it or you don't know about it. Um it's painful to even play those fucking games and then knowing that like even in my infancy of playing Overwatch for like 120 levels, which if you understand, that's literally fucking nothing. Yeah. Like buying like a hundred fucking overwatch packs or whatever the fuck it was like even that just feels like shit fuck those guys man let's go next because that's pissing me off that's good
0: we're going next go next we're going next uh have you seen anything about this Fortnite march through time mlk event that's been talked about a lot over the last uh week zach did you see anything about that
1: Oh, it'd be interesting to hear what the community thinks because I think they could go both ways really
2: fast. And I, and I also, I also missed it. It was this past weekend, so I also didn't get a chance to see it. So I'll definitely have to go back and, and yeah. catch up. But I'd, I'd love so, to get so the updates. So what Jason. it was
0: was uh, uh, creators in the Fortnite creative community uh, came together and they built uh, what's called you know the Fortnite March Through Time event, which is based around Martin Luther King. Uh, and it is this space where players are able to come in and go explore uh, different landmarks in Washington and relive some moments from the March on Washington and get to uh, see Martin Luther King's uh, I Have a Dream speech all within an environment in Fortnite. And it has been very controversial over the last week. Um, I, I, I've been watching it, I don't know, first blush when I th- thought about it, I was like, wow, you're putting... Martin Luther King in a shooter. I'm like, that seems a little tone deaf, but okay. Um, I'm kind of split on it personally. When I look at it, I see it as, you know, hey, I think it is great to have uh, these opportunities for younger people to get to learn about uh, these things that are very important to the history of our country uh, in, in, in different ways. Obviously, these are things that should be taught in school and are important, but giving uh, kids opportunities to engage with these kind of topics in different ways I think is awesome. Is Fortnite maybe the best way to do it? I don't know. And even at one point, uh, Fortnite, you know, didn't have the foresight to, to do this They Halfway through, they had to disable emotes because you got, you know, kids going into this March on Washington exhibit and they're flossing as Rick from Rick and Morty while watching, you know, Martin Luther King do his I have a dream speech. And uh, it, it's been very interesting to watch. And uh, I just on first blush, I thought it was uh, an interesting choice, to say the least.
2: I like
1: I mean, I think there's definitely an attempt um, at something positive there um super easy to have a good idea and then it backfire and just overlook something. Mm. and uh it's super hard to like give your opinion on this if you're like myself yes um uh, i definitely think there's definitely some uh some good blood some goodwill in there i don't necessarily I can't necessarily say that it was, like, the best way of going about it, right? Putting MLK in the shooter and whatnot and all that. But I definitely think that there is some truth when it comes to the younger audience being the first audience in video games. I mean, you look at, like, Valorant, you look at Apex, you look at Fortnite, you look at shit overall, you look at every fucking game, Call of Duty. It's typically the younger generation that are, like, spewing very uh, sexist and disgusting racist remarks. It's it's typically the younger people. All that uh, you hear in older voice is typically younger people, right? Um, that's just... The way it is. So I think making an effort in uh, being the, I guess the most uh, young, dominated game out there, definitely Fortnite, right? Mm-hmm. I think making an active effort in uh, uh, trying to get people of all ages of their entire community to be a little bit more understanding of how monumental that was and how big of a deal uh, it is. Like, I think there's definitely some good blood in it, some good will in it. I definitely think they overlooked some things like putting MLK in a shooter, but at the same time, it's like maybe they didn't overlook it. Maybe they thought about that, but they just thought the, the cost versus the benefit, like the, they thought it would be better for them to use their platform, mm-hmm. even though it may not make the most sense. Maybe they thought it'd be better to just get that out there again, just because if it helps 30 people, then like, you know, like that's that's probably a really good thing, you know, like if it helps 30 million people, then it's probably a really good thing, right? It's uh, trying to look for like the positivity in it instead of the sure. negative because it's really easy to be overly sensitive and find some major negatives in it um while sometimes people do good things in, in goodwill and they do backfire because they do overlook something that's super 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 major uh and it's bad right and typically people have to backtrack and be like yep didn't think about this made a mistake and we're sorry right and uh, i haven't really seen the backlash from it because it hasn't been on my timeline none of the big creators that i follow or yada yada are commenting on it so that's probably not a good thing but that being said it's hard for me to give my opinion without putting myself on a side and then maybe ending up at stake in like two weeks you know i, I don't sure. really want to fucking do that no it's pretty fair. if i had to give a simple opinion um from base value and not knowing any of the backlash because off the top of my head i wouldn't think of any i think it's a good thing personally i think sure. um Fortnite is a very young, dominated audience. I think there's a lot of problems in young people playing video games and not understanding the the violence behind some of the words that they use. And that goes for all ages, but it's more common in young people. Again, just reiterate that. I think Fortnite using their platform as a, a way to help people remember how big of a moment that was in time and uh, just retouch on like all of it. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I think it's a big deal. I think actually there probably should be more of it. I don't think it, I don't think it hurts to, uh, you know, aid the the fight against racism. I don't think it hurts. So uh, I don't necessarily understand the backlash at forefront. Like at just what's hitting me right now, just finding out about this. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked too deep into it in my own ma- mind or the posts and whatnot and read. So there's probably some very understanding moments on, like, why it's a bad thing. But um, at face value, I, I definitely see it as being a good thing.
2: It'd be interesting to see
1: what comes out of it in the future.
2: Yeah, I think I agree. I think at face value, I, I definitely do agree. I, I kind of relate it. To the only other Fortnite experiences that we've seen so far being the musical um, experiences with like Marshmallow and Ariana Grande, Travis Scott, etc. And I think that what Fortnite can produce inside their game digitally is second to none. Like, no one else, no other game title has even been close to being able to create that type of experience. Um, before, especially one that you can share with people around the whole world where, you know, you're all in there, you know, watching it together or interacting with it together, whatever it might be. Obviously, there's, there's, you know, a right and a wrong way to do things, and again, I'll have to probably dive in a little bit deeper to, to you know see where the holes were, if you will. But I do believe that I agree with you on, on the intent side—that the intent's there. I think that the utilizing their platform to you know deliver a more engaging experience that also educates a younger demographic at the same time is a, is a really a win-win all the way around. Um, and as it continues to grow and they continue to do it more, I'm sure that we'll, we'll see some of those maybe uh, select emotes only might be available. Sure. That makes more sense. Or if it, even if it's everyone's, you know, sitting in a theater more rather than being able to just run around like a lunatic and, and ride a rocket or whatever it might be, um, especially when the, the topics are a little bit more serious in that sense. But, um, you know, there's... I'll I'll use the Ariana Grande example as it's you know it's a full concert they were all in there everyone's having a good time but then there's this one moment in the show where it's just you and Ariana Grande like it's a one-on-one experience with Ariana Grande and it was kind of cool because it's like you were the only two people in the whole room right which one is an experience you can't get anywhere not even at a concert Mm -hmm. but two it's cool because like they could also utilize that to really hone in on the importance of certain components or certain moments of like the speech let's say Mm -hmm. and really take away the distraction and let the focus be primarily on the the content so uh, I do I think I agree with what you're saying Zach obviously we will do a little bit of we'll have to go watch it and kind of see it see it for ourselves but overall it seems that at face value that it, it's a pretty beneficial um it's a pretty beneficial thing I think for the the community
1: yeah and I hope they you know and I think more importantly than even like watching like the, mm-hmm. the the creative shit or whatever the fuck it was I don't I don't know how they did it but whatever it was <laughs> I, I think more importantly it is to like go look at the comment section rather actually go through it because I mean it's really hard for Uh, at least myself, I'll speak for myself as a, as a white person to like, uh, at again, at like, right. As it hits my head, it's really hard for me to see like what could be wrong in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so I think it's more important to like go through the comments and like, try to understand some of the backlash they're getting on it and on maybe why it's bad. And then getting your own opinion on, you know, like educate yourself, read everything up, you know, um, see, the, the good intent, you know, see the, why this is a bad idea, you know,
2: and then, and
1: then build your own opinion. Right. I think that's the most important part because any, any person uh, could go watch it and then have their own opinion, but then be, they could be tone deaf to what another person feels and sees in it. Right. So the most important thing is kind of like hearing the other side out. You know, I, I think that is what I would, I would do first. That's what probably I'm going to do is just go read the comment section and then be like, wait, this person's being fucking crazy. And then be like, wait, this person brings up a really good point, right? Because mm-hmm. both sides are going to have, like, their extremists who are fucking idiots on the internet. But mm, there's definitely that. some really good points to be brought up in there, I'd imagine, and So I got to go find out.
0: All right. Uh, We obviously had a ton of topics we want to cover today. I'm going to cut out a few here just because you've honestly given us a ton of your time and we appreciate it. So last couple things I want to talk about here. Uh, I want to go forward to uh, Halo Infinite. We got an announcement on the release date for Halo Infinite. It's going to be December 8th where we'll get the campaign and the multiplayer release. And just this morning as we're recording this uh, Monday, August 30th, we got the announcement that uh, the HCS has announced their partner teams for the start of Infinite. Your team, C9, will be in on that, along with Envious, E United, uh, FaZe Clan, Fnatic, G2, Navi, Sentinels, and Space Station. Obviously, uh, this is exciting. We've certainly been waiting for Infinite, super excited for it to come out. Uh, Is this a game that you're going to be playing? I know you're probably going to be kind of right in the heart or just coming off of kind of the end of uh, the Pro League season, but is this, you know, are you big on the Halo franchise? Is maybe this going to be your first entry to the franchise?
1: I think that game fucking blows. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think that hey. game sucks, bro. Okay. Hot I've never, I've never, I've never played uh, Halo. You gotta remember when I was younger, I didn't really, I wasn't a big gamer. Right. Right? Sure. So I've actually never played a Halo title. No I don't even. The only Halo titles I've watched someone play are like what I've watched my, my dog Snipe playing on stream mm-hmm. recently. And uh, I mean, I mean, maybe I gotta do some research on the newer one. But from what I've heard, it's kind of like Call of Duty in the sense where it's just like. Same shit, different day, new year type deal. Where it's like, it's the same game as before, it's Mm -hmm. just out today. And it's going to have a couple small differences, but its core is really similar. And I love a skill gap in the game. Mm -hmm. And I love making it obvious that you're the best player in the game. When I watch Halo, again, complete casual, I really, really, really think the the movement and like the gunplay is like so uh, noob. guess is the word it's like the movement is pretty slow it's pretty straightforward no one can outplay the other person typically um what i've seen at least Mm -hmm. and then um the gunplay is is very straightforward too it's it's is i love it's ttk but with it being a controller dominated game and from what i've heard amos is being super strong in the game as well it's like when someone gets on you it's kind of hard to outplay them you know get on them and then win the gunfire right sometimes in cod you'll see you know like get tagged running through a doorway, then they'll jump around the doorway and just fucking one-shot the guy when they're on one health, and they play it like perfectly, where it's like in Halo, I feel like there's a little bit less counterplay to when uh, someone like pulls up on you or whatnot, and that's just from what I've seen, keep in mind I've probably watched a total of less than two hours of Halo in my whole life, and I've never once opened the game, so I know nothing about the game, but I think it sucks, I think it's movement is slow, I think it's gunplay is not impressive and I think its legacy is what carries the game rather than the actual game itself, which is completely fine. That's awesome. I support that because it's not fucking Blizzard, so dope.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'll I'll start there. Um, I'm surprised. I'm a little surprised by that take, I think. I I can understand kind of where you're coming from, especially as, you know, a newer-ish gamer if you will and a battle royale primarily as the movement and the overall uh, variety and gameplay of every single game really feeling a little bit different if you will because of the rng components in the game um, i can definitely feel kind of where you're coming from but you know as a as an esports vet if you will who really grew up on some of like the original esports view- viewing titles right like the starcraft twos the halos the call of duty multiplayers like those type of titles Something about, there's something about the Halo, the, the teamwork, the spawns, the, you know, you're talking about counterplay, but the counterplay really comes from your teammates. So making sure that they get shots on the other people that they're calling out, you know, rotations around the map, etc. So it really is an incredible viewing experience as far as esports go uh, in comparison yes. to something like the an Apex Legends type situation. So I do think that I agree with you that. will be impressed. I agree with that. And, and... I was watching Snipe
1: play the tournament the other week, and mm-hmm. I watched the whole thing through. It was super, super, super fun to watch. Yeah. You've gotta remember with how competitive I am. Totally, I'm totally here. Like, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta be able to relate and be like, mm-hmm. "Yo, that's dope." But I was watching it, and it really, it, it really didn't, you know, it really didn't seem like
2: the outplay mechanics were there for you. The
1: outplay mechanics were there for me. Yeah, hundred percent. It really did seem like. The teamwork was a big deal. The comms were hyped. The comms were sick, you know. Whatever the fuck, it was awesome. Watching it was fucking awesome. And honestly, I'll probably watch the HCS, especially because my own origin at one. But two, because it, like watching Halo, from what I've seen from Snipe, his shit is, is fun as fuck to watch. Yeah. But the game itself just like seems so. Mad.
2: I can hear you. I mean, I'm asset shooter, so I can't really, I can't really help on that end, on that piece. But as far as a viewership component goes, like, I definitely, am, I am mostly excited to really see these these big orgs bringing in, you know, both veterans from the previous titles as well as newcomers to the space, um, and potentially even yourself. You know, you got to give it a shot. You know, Zach, I, I, I know it's, I know it's controller, but
0: I think he's, I think you will be pleasantly surprised, especially when you're talking about watching, because you were watching uh, the the Halo Two Twitch Rebels, right? Uh, with Ninja yeah. and Snipe Down competing. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised with the advancements that the franchise has made in terms of movement. Uh, a good buddy of ours, uh, Shyway, he is a, a Halo caster, fantastic, really uh, knows the minutiae of the game while well. he did a fantastic YouTube video the other day where he broke down uh, one of the best... Uh, uh, of the current Halo uh, pro players, uh, one of his games in the Halo Infinite beta, and was able to break down all the different movement and the different techniques he was using. And I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised by, by the movement of the game. You may try it and still not like it. I think that's totally fine. But I
1: think when Infinite oh, comes out... Well, my biggest out, problem with it, it is the movement. Sure. I, I yeah, think like, it is the... Like motherfuckers just be floating and shit. Like, <laughs> you could go yeah. put in your hot chocolate if you go jump. Right? <laughs> like... That is, Just my, to, the, toss is the biggest in. problem with me, man. Sure. That is, that, for me, man. I'm speaking for me. I'm not. Speaking yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that to all the, the sweaty Halo like, pubs players are gonna be in your exact, in your mentions you know? this weekend. I'm telling hey, you. Hey, 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 exactly. Well, that's another great point, bro. You guys brought up how there's very little outplay in the game, motherfucker. Well, you guys played it. You guys said it. It's <laughs> a lot of teamwork, you know. Make sure you imagine the solo queue experience of that game. It might sure. be worse than Apex. Like I God mean, okay, damn, okay, let's not... have to rely on my team in that.
2: Let's not say <laughs> it's going to be worse than Apex solo queue, all right? Let's relax oh, with the... Okay, that's again. crazy, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if
1: the movement is better, listen, yeah, I, I, I'll start here. If the movement is not what I watched in Snipe stream, I will 100% give it a go. I can get back to you again, man. Because, again, the biggest problem I have with it, man, is that shit. And it just looked like it just looked like it was gunplay and that was it yeah and now there was there were some pre-nades i was watching there was some you made this you clear a corner you only have to check the other corner if you have your crosshair right on the guy you probably wouldn't gunfight mm-hmm. I, I was watching some of that and that shit was all um there's a uh, the maps were a little bit small and that was fucking awesome so it's constant gunfighting super fun to watch but again man i'm dead the Dude, idea of there being, like, literally no movement was killing my it's, brain. It's just because it, so. Apex
2: Legends movement, honestly, is so fun. I remember the first time I ever played Apex Legends, and I was just like, I could slide forever. Like, this is the most fun I've ever had running into a video game in my life. So it's it's pretty well, fair. Well, not only but... that,
1: but the COD, too. Like, yeah, even yeah, COD too. COD's movement is like a, if Let's say Apex Dameron came out, you just look at, a, like, a recent COD, compare that to, like, a Halo 2, cause that's all I've watched, so that's all I can compare Sure. To, like... Nine A man, it's like it's like you're playing a whole different genre, you know. So have
2: you played Splitgate? Uh,
1: I have. Okay, I have. so
2: Splitgate, I feel like Splitgate is. I've played a
1: fair amount of Splitgate.
2: I feel like Splitgate is way worse than Halo movement.
1: Yeah, um, I fucking hate them.
2: Yeah, I literally I, like <laughs> well, the, I, th- the I, thing about the thing about Splitgate. Yeah. The main difference is you can't like cl- clamber. What is it? Cl- cr- yeah, clamber. You can't clamber over walls in Splitgate, and it drives me crazy
1: yeah i i fucking hate the movement in the game too i i wish that they had like a sliding mechanic and a fucking yeah. prone mechanic in there just for the sake of the gunplay but i genuinely do enjoy playing Splitgate because i can outplay someone with a portal you know yeah. i don't feel i don't feel so one-dimensional into jump hot chocolate come back hope the guys are my crosshair wait a minute. I was looking at the wrong doorway. He shot me in the back with his first burst. I'm going to lose this gunfight. Comment.
2: All right. Well, yeah. well like, come, come is, December, yeah. we're going to yeah. have to try to
0: change your mind. Yeah. You're going to be hearing from from us in a couple of months then. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Last, <laughs> make a show, bro. Zach attempting to try Halo for the first time. i fucking try <laughs> it. Zach's making if some hot chocolate All his fucking jump try, try it. Deal. Yeah.
0: No problem. Sounds Done. like a plan. Last thing I want to talk about, uh, and a big announcement last week. Faker, uh, I know you're a big LCK fan, uh, the biggest esports pro in the world, the greatest uh, player in League of Legends history, has teamed up with Razer, who we obviously partner with, uh, to design and develop his own gaming peripherals, which I think is I- incredible. Awesome to see him. He's been a huge fan of Razer for a long time. And I mean, I'm excited to see uh, a big esports name like that partnering with one of the biggest brands. Uh, in, in, in gaming, and I think it's going to be incredible to see that. What is kind of your reaction to, to seeing those kind of two big names teaming up?
1: Hopium. More hopium. I love it. We're finishing yeah. the show on hopium. I think um, – uh, yeah, no. I I have a lot of hopium that Faker has a good brain because it, that would just all check out, right? Yeah. And as we've seen, there have been some um, – I can't go too in depth, obviously – my own sponsors, but that being said, obviously, there are some, some people leading the industry right now when it comes to peripherals, and I don't think it's close. It'd be interesting to actually see the numbers, but it seems like Logitech has a really good grip on the mouse and uh keyboard part of things, right? Uh, HyperX can definitely compete when it comes to like the important stuff, Especially but I've been struggling like to find a mouse, yeah. And, and their headsets at HyperX are actually pretty popular like the Pile 2s are nuts, right? But that being said. Uh, Razer has like the Kraken's and Logitech has their like Pro X, I think is what it's called, or something like that. And I think all of those headsets are pretty good. I think the Cloud 2's might be a little bit better than Kraken's review wise, but it's all uh, opinion and preference when it comes to the headset. But definitely, when it comes to mouse and keyboard, I think uh, uh, Logitech kind of owned the industry right now. And seeing a big name like Faker with uh, such a dominant esports career, I really hope that he can go to. Razor, the leverage that he has with that name, and really build a, a good mouse. You know, uh, you no know, offense, think... but I've had the Viper Mini. I've I've used all those mice before. They're a rival to what would be like the Superlight or the G Pro. Um, I, I've tried them all. I um I used the Viper for, God like four months or something. I did like it for a period of time, but I had to go back because uh it just they're just not on um, the same uh, playing field in my opinion and. I have a lot of hopium you know, that Faker is going to be able to take that Viper design maybe and maybe make something crazy good. Because maybe we could Google it really quick, but I would be surprised if he's using like a Naga or something, you know, like a little, like six. So actually he's been know, using the
2: death adder. Yeah, so so I'm actually a big faker fan long time and my first mouse outside of my uh nine ninety-nine Uh, Microsoft uh, mouse I bought at Target when I was like eight. (laughs) Outside of that mouse itself, the first mouse I ever bought was the same mouse that Faker used, which was the Razer Death Adder, and that's the same mouse I used to this day. So what I actually imagine will probably happen is we'll probably see a Faker branded Death Adder. More Enterprise. than we. If it's
1: wireless and it's light, bro, that'd be crazy. Hey, bro, I got is one of the most FPS dominated mice ever. Look at CS. I mean,
2: I got a death ad. I got a wireless death adder with your name on it, Zach. You just say the word.
1: I'm too. I'm too in love with what I got going on with my. I have my HyperX keyboard that I really like. I have my HyperX mouse pad that I love, and I can't get off of the super light unless something fucking crazy comes around that is just so good for FPS as anything else right now. I, certain but uh maybe faker can persuade you (laughs) (laughs) i mean bro. i mean what are the dimensions bro talk to me i mean i this is your show that is one of your products i don't mind you making an attempt to sell it but i mean (laughs) it is not it is not easy to uh top a super light right now it is not easy obviously maps are all preference all
2: right here we go we're getting the specs for you we're getting the specs for you right now Hold on, I'm getting the weight. Look at the weight. I'm, I'm looking for the wireless death. Act. I'm looking for the weight right now. Please stay tuned. <laughs> Come on, give me the weight razor. Yeah, Look, I mean, I, me I'm just
0: excited. I, I, I love. Oh, like, Zach on the Google game.
2: He's I'm like gonna get sitting on it. here holding the box. I can't even figure it
0: out. Cason's in your DMs right now. Like, I know, literally.
2: <gasps> Luke, figure it out. <laughs> um, it literally doesn't say. That's hilarious. Uh, but literally, hey, no, tell me on. The box is super light. Yeah, the box is light because there's no mouse in it. Oh, ruined it. I ruined it. Because we're wrong. using it. <laughs> yeah, we're,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. We we're Razer products wall-to-wall here in HQ. No, so but I actually I actually do agree best. with
2: you. I ended up buying a Final Mouse a while back because it's, again, the same type of design as the Death Adder, right? The two buttons on the side, the similar mm-hmm. curve, etc. cetera. Uh, and I was a big fan of the Final Mouse because of how much lighter hey, it was. They just
1: fucking break, bro.
2: Yeah. I agree with that too. That's why I have four of them. So here we are, <laughs> where, where, where it's like got the backups on the backups. But. Okay, so are we talking Death Adder V2? Pro yep, Death Adder or V2 mini? Pro. Death Adder V2 Pro.
1: Okay, so you're looking at 88 grams. Looking at 88 grams. And that's not the Mini, so that's going to be a mouse that you're going to be like meant to palm, right? Yep. I'm pretty sure that's like over 20 grams heavier than a. Uh, modern-day light, right? And then, I'm sure you could go through all the, the specs of, like, uh, its sensitivity and, like, the laser on the bottom and all the other shit. But that is a big upgrade from um, what I... what was previous, right? Right. So mm-hmm. I think if I could give them any um, advice, right, coming from a pro player who doesn't use their products, right, I think that that weight thing is a really big deal. Definitely, without sacrificing size, because grip is really really important when it comes to mice i've tried so many different fucking mice man and grip is the most important part and then weight follows it up you can do your normal grip that you're comfortable with that's right and two is that weight thing right no no one likes pulling around a brick right if i can do the same grip on this mouse and it has the same specs as the other mouse and one's lighter than the other obviously i'm going to prefer the lighter one right absolutely now obviously the specs might not be the same so i could give Faker, any advice, right? Big, big guy, hear me out. Hear him out. Drop drop that weight. Drop that <laughs> weight a little bit, man. Try to try to make it compete.
2: Uh, you and, heard it and, and you and heard honestly, it here first, Faker. Drop the weight.
1: Yep. Drop the weight, man. And, and same goes to Hyper X, man. I, I have a couple of their mice, uh, mainly just for like product and like uh like I wanted to try them, right?
2: Yeah, the Pulse Fire Vermont.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Dart. There's there's yeah. a couple motherfuckers in there. And um uh, I, I fell in love with keyboard. I actually swapped from my Logitech keyboard to the HyperX keyboard. I actually really like it. Um, the mouse pad, I've used HyperX mouse pad since day motherfucking one. Yeah. I love these bitches. Now I just got endless surprise. It's like supply, I love it. But I, I could not get sold on uh, their wireless mouse. It was just too heavy for me. And uh, that was the catch for me. And I think a lot of pro players or or more, the, the better players, not so much the casual, Really appreciate those lighter masks that can do the same things. It's, uh, so that's where I would start.
0: Solid. All right. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works out. Uh, that's going to do it. Zach, uh, thank you so much for coming to hang out with us for a bit here. Appreciate you taking some time out uh, of your Monday. Uh, I do want to just give you an opportunity, uh, anything you want to say to the folks. Where can they follow you? Uh, what should we be looking out for uh, from you here over the next couple of weeks?
1: Nothing really for me. If if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I I don't really give a shit anymore. Like younger, it's just Zach Maser four. Um, Yeah, I mean that's about it. Um, Hopefully, Halo is more interesting than I think it is for the sake of all of us, right? Jesus. And then uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Best of luck to G two and C nine. Hopefully, C nine wins Worlds. Opium. Opium that's about it well I think, the, figure shit out.
2: I think the title of this uh this podcast is the x-rated hopium podcast so <laughs> I, I appreciate you popping on zach we had an absolute blast interviewing yeah. you um and uh, i'm excited to see you know what you and the boys can pull out over of course these next couple of weeks in series e as well as of course the upcoming pro league so i appreciate the time once again and that's it That's going to be it,
0: folks. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Make sure to check us out on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you're at over at esportsarena.com as well. We'll be back next week. So hope you guys enjoyed it.